Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, we'll go ahead and start in verse 1. I don't know how much of it we'll, we'll delve into in the early parts. The message is in the latter parts of, of chapter 15. Uh, but we'll start in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then He appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, we just humble ourselves before you to say thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity, and I thank you, Father, for this message. I just pray that you would hide me behind the cross, Father, that you would bind up my opinions and my thoughts, Father, that everything that I speak is, is what you desire to be spoken. Father, I pray that this message touches open ears and open hearts, Father, that it can be life-changing for someone or even everyone that will hear it. Father, I pray that it's not viewed as, as my message in any way, but it'll be viewed as your message. Father, I thank you, I love you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. You know, it's a shame to say... But oftentimes, we need to be reminded of the gospel. You would think that that's something we would never have to be reminded of. You would think that news that good, the first time we heard it, it would stick and be stuck, and we couldn't shake it off. But from time to time, you and I, as believers and followers, need to be reminded of the gospel. Because our circumstances get big and our environment get out of whack, and we look around and we forget. We look around and we think it's all falling apart. We look around and we're convinced the whole world is against us. When the reality of it is, the gospel has done told us, as believers, we can't lose. Right? 
The gospel has already told us that Christ has paid the price, right? Sometimes we have to be reminded, and this is one of those instances, Now I don't want to be guilty of taking anything out of context. I want you to know and understand that, that this is being, uh, what Paul is, is teaching right here is, is something that is specific, and he's going to get into it a little bit later on about the resurrection, and he's dealing with a group of people that have, have somehow been convinced that resurrection from the dead is absolutely impossible. And he goes into telling them that if that's the case, then our, vain, our uh, faith is futile and in vain. And we are still in our sins because our salvation is based on the resurrection of Christ. And what he's talking about when he's talking to them about being reminded of the gospel is, hey, I done taught this, I done told you this, and you done believed this. That Christ was killed, buried, and raised on the third day. It's the gospel. But there are other aspects of that story that apply to you and I that we sometimes forget. And not only does the world try to change our minds about it, but sometimes our circumstances get a hold of us. And we forget. And we have to be reminded sometimes we hurt so bad that we forget. Sometimes it gets so dark at our house that we forget and we have to be reminded of the gospel. Paul says, be reminded. Don't forget the gospel that you have been taught. Of the gospel that I preached to you which you received. So if a person has received the gospel and accepted the gospel and trusted the gospel, we consider them to be a believer, a follower of Christ, right? A, a church person, a godly person, a person that is saved from their sins, right? So that's who Paul's talking to. He's not talking to a bunch of strangers that he ain't sure about their salvation. This whole message is straight to church folk, right? So that's who I'm talking to this morning because that's who the scripture is speaking to. In order for me to know what it says to me, I've got to know what it says, period. And he's talking to believers, followers, those that have trusted the gospel. Keep that in mind because that's going to get important here in a little bit. It says, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Boy, that's deep, and I ain't going there this morning. I just don't want you to miss it. <laughs> Being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I have preached, and if you have not believed in vain, then you are being saved. Keep going, and that's from Paul. For I delivered to you as of... First importance. First importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scripture. First importance means this is, this, I'm trying to get this in order for you. Paul's saying, I, I'm giving it to you in order of importance. This is priority that you know and understand. Christ died. Christ was buried and Christ was raised again the third day, that is the most important thing for you to know and believe. You get that? You hear that? You understand that? 
That's where we're at this morning. That's what Paul's trying to get across to the people he's currently writing to. Uh, this is of first importance. Death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Why is that? Because that's our hope. If, Christ, if that didn't happen, Christ ain't who He says He is, God ain't who He says He is, we ain't got no hope. It's out. It's gone. It's in vain. It's futile. You've got to get that part first. Alright, so now we've got a basis, right? It's fishing to get deep. Stay with me. Stay awake. There's this, there's, this, there's this sleepy vibe in here this morning. This groggy headed vibe that I'm feeling this morning. And I'm asking God, I was asking God while they were singing. I was praying it on Chris's behalf because he's up here trying to get everybody fired up with a, like this. And I'm going, God, please remove this this sleepy, groggy-headed vibe and replace it with your joyful, excited vibe in a people that should be fired up and set on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ and excitement. We shouldn't dread coming to church and listening to somebody talk. It, sh it shouldn't make us sleepy to listen to somebody talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter who it is, we should be fired up about it just because of the subject matter. I've been to places and, and done things that it didn't make no difference who the performer was. It was the material that got me excited. It was. I, I, listen, I went to a rodeo last night. I didn't know a single bull rider. I didn't know one of them. You know what I was excited about? The material, right? The fact they was dumb enough to get on a 2,000-pound beast and try to, you a little old scrawny, drawed up, 125 pounds, you ain't got a chance. And it's entertaining to me that you think you do. The subject matter had me, had me fired up. This subject matter should be enough to ignite your fire. It should be what you're here for, not who's saying it, not the tone. Right? It shouldn't be any church anywhere with a groggy-headed, sleepy atmosphere in it. It should be fire. It should be excitement. It should be joy. I had a late night, too. I just told you I was at the rodeo. And let me tell you, I was right about all but two of them boys. They didn't have a chance. 32 of them. 30 of them ended up in the dirt on their back looking up at the stars and that 2,000 pound thing trying to stomp on them. Now how smart you feel, cowboy. <laughs> huh? Uh, it was real. It was real. They done it. I, could, I went just to see if they would really do that. They did that. It really happened. The subject matter should ignite your fire. The opportunity to sit in the presence of God should ignite your fire. The opportunity to be surrounded by like-minded, Bible-believing people. If you ain't got nothing else in common, you got that. It should light your fire. I had a late night too, I understand. But there should never be in God's house a groggy, sleepy-headed atmosphere. It should always be one of excitement and joy. It should always be one... Of, of anticipation of what God's going to do in my life today. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Don't Waste the Grace. 
Don't waste the grace. That's the title of my message this morning. Don't waste the grace. That's where we're headed this morning. Stay with me. We're going to get there. And I promise you, if you can stay awake till we get there, it's going to be pretty exciting. Not because of who I am and not because of the way, because of who God is. And because I done seen the message and I know how exciting it is. So stay with me for a little while. Um, I forgot where I was at. I got off track. I know that's hard for y'all to believe, but I got off track. Verse 5. This death, burial, and resurrection has taken place, and now Paul is about to give some evidence that it was a real story. A lot of times we get to reading Scripture, and we get to hearing these stories, and we want to think of it as a storybook, a made-up thing. This is, this is a real time. It's a date on the calendar that this took place. This is a real place. It really, there really is. You can go to the map and put your finger on the place that all this takes. These are real people. They're, these people's names are recorded in historical books that are not called the Bible. They're real. This is real people, a real place, and a real time. This isn't a story, right? This is real. This is legit. And here's Paul's evidence to the fact that all of these events he's talking about has taken place. Afterwards, he says, and that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is Peter. And then to the twelve, which is the disciples, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of them who are still alive. When Paul was writing this, you could go and speak on your own, mano y mano, to the, some of those 500 people. Some of them were perished, but some of them were still there. Thank you. And Paul... And Paul is letting them know that you can talk to these people. This is real stuff. They re really are witnesses to the death, the burial, and the resurrection because they talked to Christ after the resurrection. And of the 500, some are gone, some are not. Now today they're all gone. And this time some were still there. In verse 7, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. One of the qualifications for being an apostle was a personal, physical encounter with Jesus Christ. So look at what Paul says next. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Now let's take on Paul's mindset here. He says, an untimely one born. I was a little bit out of place, but I myself experienced a face-to-face -face encounter. Do y'all remember that, that story from the Bible? Of, of Paul's encounter. Paul was Saul. He was on the road to Damascus, right? And, and what happens? He gets struck blind, he talks to Christ, he sees Christ, he loses his sight, got scales on his eyes, he's led into this town to talk to a particular individual. He was persecuting the church. He says, I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Not only did I not believe, I went after those that claimed they did. That's who Paul is. 
Paul says, I am, I am the worst of the worst, man. I'm the bottom of the barrel. I was as evil as they come. I was as ungodly as you can be. I was as far from what God desired me to be as anyone could possibly get. And Paul says, I, that was me. I'm that guy. And I seen him myself. I'm a witness that the things I've told you are true myself. What I'm telling you about the risen Savior is not hearsay. I seen it myself, is what Paul says. Now here we go. Here's where we're trying to get to. Don't waste the grace. Paul persecuted the church and had an encounter with Christ. And I want to assure you, you can't encounter Christ and walk away unchanged. Every time anybody ever encountered Christ, they walked away different than when they got there. You can't have an encounter with Christ and remain what you've always been. It's going to be change take place. That's the power of Christ. That's the power of God. Paul walked away a changed man. Remember, it took a lot, but now he was a lot, right? He was persecuting the church. He was the worst of the worst. He was the cheapest of all sinners, according to him. And then he encountered Christ and things turned for him. Look at, look at what Paul says right here. In verse 10. But by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, today I'm different than I was then, but it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God that I'm not who I was before Christ came into my life. It's only by the grace of God that I even got to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's only by the grace of God that I am what I am. Who are you? See, I am what I am in Paul's life. He wrote a majority of the, of the Bible, the, the New Testament. He didn't waste that grace. He took that grace and he did with it what God expects all of us as believers to do. And that's to share that grace. See, we live amongst a whole world of people who may have somewhat of a knowledge. They've heard God. They've heard the name Christ. But they don't know them. And it's our responsibility to take the grace that was shined upon us and spread it to other individuals. And that's in the way that we walk. That's in the way that we talk. It's at our jobs. It's at the places we share. It's, it's our daily life. should be a reflection of the glory of God. And especially inside the walls of this building should be a reflection of the glory of God. Where we just love on one another and encourage one another and build one another up. And there's never no... Division, and there's never no time tearing down, and there's never there's none of that. There's no room for that. There's no room for that anywhere, much less in here. You're wasting the grace if you're not sharing the grace. Don't waste the grace. Look at what Paul says. Oh my goodness, in verse 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. His grace toward me is not wasted. I'm using it. I'm sharing it. I'm spreading it. I'm making sure that the people around me see and feel the love of God in everything I say and I do. 
I'm making sure that I'm informing people about the grace of God in my life so they can have that same desire for it in their life. God doesn't give me anything that's just for me. Everything He's put in my life is for the benefit of everybody I come in contact with. For me to take the grace of God and ball it up and wad it up and fold it up and put it in my pocket and hide it there in case I ever need it again is wrong. That's called wasting the grace. It's there so I can share it. It's there so other people can get involved in it. See, I'm supposed to be the hands and feet of the body of Christ. I'm the tool God uses to reach other people. You're the tool God uses to reach other people. But when we keep our mouth shut or we blend in and look like the rest of the world on a daily basis, guess what? You've wasted the grace. Don't waste the grace. Put it to use. Get it out. Let the world see it. We go on here. I want to go just a little bit further before I skip to the end of where I was going. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. Paul can say that because he used that. Remember, he persecuted the church. When he got saved, he went to building the church, okay? He went to writing letters and instructing and teaching and preaching and doing everything he could and worked as hard in God's name as he worked against God's name. And if I'm not doing that, I'm wasting the grace, okay? Listen, keep going in verse 11, I think. Now we're still in 10. I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I worked I dug in. Paul said I gripped and clawed and tried and did everything. And it wasn't me doing it, Paul says. It was the grace of God that's in me. Right? It's not what I'm capable of, because I'm not capable of any of this. I'm not. Listen, y'all looking at the guy that took zeros on oral book reports because they didn't like talking in front of people. That's the God's honest truth. I took zeros because I didn't like talking in front of people. I was not, did not want to be the center of attention. When I, got, when I got back in church, I told my wife, we're going to find somewhere to go in and sit on the back row so, and they ain't telling nobody nothing about narrow thing so we can get in and get out but do what's right. I didn't even get to stay on any road. <laughs> but it's not me. It's the grace of God that works inside of me. It's not, I'm not capable of this. I tell people on almost a daily basis, don't look at me like that. It's not me. I'm not capable of any of this. In and of myself, I am nobody. I am nothing. But in Jesus Christ, I is nothing that is impossible to me. There is nothing that is impossible to you. Don't let your fears make you waste the grace. I have a fear of public speaking. I really do. Well, I really did. <laughs> I really did. But see, it's not me. And it, it's not, Paul's not sitting here bragging on what all he's done. Paul is bragging on the grace of God that's been thrown up on him that makes it possible for him to do the things he's done for the gospel of Christ. And he says, that grace you throwed on me was not in vain. Has God thrown his grace on you 
in vain? In other words, has He showed you His grace and you ain't showed it to nobody else? Has, you, has He showed you His love and you ain't distributed it? Has, you, has He given you salvation and you've never shared that story with anybody? If the answer to any of those is yes, you've wasted the grace. His, his grace is in vain in your life. Because it's not supposed to stop with you. It's not supposed to stop with me. I'm just a conduit through which it all flows. And if it's flowing through you, then it's not in vain. If it's flowing through you, then you didn't waste the grace. It's not meant for me to put in my pocket and enjoy at night in my quiet time. It's meant for me to share with the world around me. Whether I'm talking about salvation, I'm talking about forgiveness, I'm talking about the love of Christ, I'm talking about uh, uh, grace, I'm talking about mercy. All those things that God has shown on me and, and flooded my life with, I'm supposed to be sharing those things. If I'm not, then it was given to me in vain. I misused it. I've misrepresented him horribly if those things don't flow through me. We're almost there. I work harder than any of them, though it is not me. It, is, it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Now I want you to drop down. I, I, I'm, we're running out. I could go from there all the way to the end in verse 34. But I won't this morning. But we are going to skip on over to about verse 33, 32. Now this is still Paul. This part that we skipped over is him going over um, the fact that the resurrection is real and if resurrection is not real and it's not possible, then our faith is futile and it's all in vain and we still live in our sins and, and it's got to be that way or you either believe it or you don't, but if you don't believe it, you can't claim Christ because Christ was risen from the dead and it's all right there in this part we're skipping. Not skipping because it's not important, not skipping because we ain't got time for covering it all because I'm a rabbit chaser and I get off subject and I apologize. I try, I really try. But if you'll come on over with me to verse uh, 32, and it says, What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts, with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Let us eat, drink, and for tomorrow we die. If, if Christ isn't, isn't resurrected, then let's eat, drink, and do what we want to. Because tomorrow we die and it's all over. If Christ isn't risen, we have no hope. And without that hope, what's the point? But just eat and drink and tomorrow we die and it's all over. And it's Verse 33. Do not be deceived. Now remember, Paul is talking to believers. I told you that in the beginning. He's talking to believers and he's trying to reiterate to them the things they have already been taught. See, they shouldn't be here anymore. They've already been taught all this. They should be reminding themselves of the gospel and understanding and knowing that it's true and this is all what other people are trying to infiltrate their minds with. And he says, 
don't be, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Woo! Holy smokes, that'll preach for a month right there. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Be careful of the company. Your mom and dad, your grandparents, anybody ever tell you you are the company you keep? I don't think they made that up on their own. They may have got that from Scripture somewhere. I don't know. Bad company ruins. In other words, if you're trying to live your life as this bright, jubilant, joyful, godly person that has this desire to spread everything about the gospel you can possibly spread, but you keep surrounding yourself with people that tell you that ain't possible and you ain't doing no good, bad company will ruin good morals. You will lose that drive. You will lose that desire. So make sure that in the situations where you have the opportunity to pick your environment, that you do so. In other words, if I have the option of negative Nancys and, and fault finders, and but over here I have the option of good godly i got to have enough sense to understand that bad company ruins good morals and get myself in good company. Get myself... Now, sometimes you don't have that option. That's why it's so important that when you do have the option, you make the right choice. <laughs> bad company ruins good morals. Listen to this. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. Look at this last statement. Remember what he just said. Don't go, wake up from your drunken stupor. Bad company ruins good morals. Get up off your lazy behind and get to doing. And here's why. I say this to your shame. I say what to your shame? Back up one, one period there. Some have no knowledge of God. There are people in your life, this is Paul, there are people in your life that have no knowledge of God and it's your fault because you wasted the grace. That's what it says. I'm not smart enough to write that. I'm not smart enough to make that up. All I can do is read to you what Paul says. And he said, There are some people that have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame. In other words, God gave you grace, so just like he gave Paul grace, so you could get up from where you were and get started doing what God desires and spreading the gospel and the love and the forgiveness and all those things, and instead you've kept it to yourself or you've led a lifestyle that doesn't reflect the change that's taking place in you, and now there are people that don't have any knowledge of God, and it's your fault you wasted the grace. I can stand here in front of you today and tell you honestly, I have at times in my life wasted the grace. I have. 
I've wasted opportunities. I've got sucked into the gossip instead of crushing it and spreading the gospel. I've done that. I've bypassed people because they were a little bit nerve-wracking and I really didn't want to talk to them at that time. I can see by the looks on your face I'm not by myself. Listen, in order for us to not waste the grace, we've got to be mindful of wasting is a possibility. It can happen. You've got to understand that every time you choose to live in sin, every time you choose to talk that way, every time you choose to, to disrespect a person or, or to get back at somebody or take revenge or whatever it is, you're wasting the grace. Because God shined His grace down upon you for you to have it so you could share it with other people so they could know the gospel story and they could become a child of God. But there are people that don't know God because of me. There are people that don't know God because of you. Now all we can do is start from this day forward and center our prayer life. God, please don't let me miss an opportunity today. Please don't let me waste the grace today. See, this is, this is your legacy. This is what you're leaving behind. This is what will be known of, about and thought of you when you're dead and gone. There, there is a, a saying that I have fallen in love with. I don't even know where I heard it, where it came from. It, I may have dreamed it. I may have made it up. I don't know. I don't think I did because I've seen it too many places since the first time I thought of it. <laughs> and it says, don't, it says, live your life so the preacher don't have to lie at your funeral. You know, the thing about preaching funerals, it ain't nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I can stand up there and say what I want to, but the image is done there. All them people listening to me, they probably know that person better than I did. And I can say what I want to, but it don't change their destination and it don't change the mark they left on this world. Live your life so the preacher don't have to lie at your funeral. Don't make me lie. <laughs> don't me stand up there and act like how good you are and you ain't. <laughs> That's a difficult spot to be in. I've had, I, I ain't lie, but I've been in that spot. I just chose not to lie. Don't waste the grace. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. I'm going to ask the praise band to come on up here, and they're going to lead us in a, in a song, and I, and I pray that you will um, react and respond accordingly to what you've heard this morning and not again. Ain't nothing to do with me. It, it's all about what God has called me to do and, and me doing the best I can to be obedient um, to that call. So I, I just want you to respond to what God has spoke to your heart this morning. I want you to uh, uh, know and understand that that coming to this altar is, is, a, is a time of uh, uh, opportunity for you and, and God to have that conversation between the two of you and, and to work these things out and to get started in a, in a right direction in whatever the subject matter may be that you're dealing with this morning. Y'all stand up as we sing. Shepherd of the sea
Amen. I thank you all for your time and attention this morning. Um, I, I pray that um, something that was said will uh, prick your heart and, and you'll continue out that thought process all week and get this thing to, to stick. Um, we are having our uh, meal and fellowship with the uh, Guatemala mission team. I encourage you to come back and be a part of that. Um, and um, we just want you to come hang out with us. You know, if, if you can make a contribution to the mission, that'd be great. Um, but if you can't, it's all just the same. God's going to um, do what he does and, and multiply whatever's taken in. Um, Chris sent me a, uh update uh, list of things that are uh, going to be going on on this trip and, and some things that are um, already taking place. And I can't operate the smartphone because it's smarter than me. Um, mission Trip 2018 Projects. They're going to do a men's conference, a women's conference, and a children's conference. They're going to be introducing Awana, um, second book to them. They started that the last trip they were there. Um, they're going to be doing home visits. They've got a grain drive for 50 families, which will be uh, where they give them the grain. They come in and do the... Uh, the last time they did like a health-type thing with them to make sure that... Um, the grain was going where it was supposed to go and, and trying to check on the health of the families in the area through the grain drive. Uh, they're going to put on four roofs. They got 12 stoves to install and 20 eco filters, which is a water filtration system. They're going to install those while they're there. Um, they're having a joint service between the two places that we've been ministering to. One is called Buena Vista and the other one is called Gracias Adios. They're going to have a joint service between the two of them um, to discuss and to share the impact they have had on us and the impact we have had on them. Um, this is kind of a wind up and, and rounded out. I mean, this is most likely our last trip uh, to Guatemala um, as a mission, so we're going to be choosing some other places and doing some different things. Um, so they're kind of going over these people, um, you know, what's been the impact of it on both sides of the coin. Um, in the last few weeks, Buena Vista has had nine salvations and baptisms. Um, absolutely. Yes, sir. Give, give God the glory for that. Um, and this is all just kind of um, to help us see and them see the impact that we've had and to see that um, the, the, the time and the money and the effort that's gone into being there has not been wasted. It's not been in vain. Um, it has been something that has had a great impact. Our goal was to